Trinity Baptist Church. Hear this portion of the story of God as recorded in the book of Joshua. Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that it is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from all the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Kami, the son of Zemri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua... They said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slope. At this... The hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them in their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are in this series called Taking New Ground, and we've been talking about what it means to take new ground in our lives as individuals uh, spiritually, and what it, what it means for us to take new ground as a community of faith corporately. We've been walking through the book of Joshua and learning some things. Because this is week 10, we don't really have time to recap. So if you've missed some, then I would encourage you to go on the website and and listen to these. This morning, we are going to talk about responsibility. Uh, To help us 
kind of understand where we're going, I want to talk first about irresponsibility. Irresponsibility takes two different, there's two different kinds of irresponsibility. One is active and one is passive. Active irresponsibility is when we know what we're not supposed to do without question and we choose to do it anyway. Okay? Like, for instance, we know we're not supposed to drink and drive. And yet, if you choose to do that, you are being irresponsible. Right? I hope you would say yes to that. Okay? You're being at least irresponsible. That's passive, or that's active irresponsibility. Passive irresponsibility is where we know what we are supposed to do, and we just don't do it. Like, you know you're supposed to pay your taxes. But if you choose not to, then you're being irresponsible. Yes? Okay, there are like six people. Everybody else thinks, no, no, it's, we can do that. Um, so, so you've got active irresponsibility and passive irresponsibility. The Bible, not surprisingly, has a word for this, a term for this. What does the Bible call irresponsibility? Sin. It's, just, it's sin. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, Keith, There's, I'm not totally buying that. Okay, I will, I will grant that there are some things that, that are irresponsible that are not sin. For instance, I'm a runner. I'm supposed to stretch before and after my run. If I choose to not do that, I can tighten up and cramp up and maybe injure myself. So therefore, it's irresponsible of me in take, trying to take care of my body to not stretch before and after a run, right? Is that sin? Yeah, probably not. You know, probably not. But that said, and we can, we can have this conversation after the service, just about everything we do that's irresponsible, you can tie it to sin. Okay? And if you think of something you want to challenge me on, bring it on after. And I bet we can go back to the Scriptures and find where the Scriptures say, yeah, you, probably, you shouldn't be doing that. Okay? So we've got irresponsibility that is active, irresponsibility that is passive. Um, you have probably heard the terms sins of commission and sins of omission, right? That's just, that's just theological language for active and passive irresponsibility. That's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7 when Paul says, you know, the stuff that I do want to do, I don't do. And the stuff, those, those things that I, I don't want to do. Those are the things that I do. That's, it's, it's just sin that he's talking about. He's talking about being irresponsible with, with what he knows is right. The, 
The Greek word for sin is hamartia, hamartia, um, something like I don't know how to pronounce. Um, and and literally, it means to miss the mark. That's what sin is. It's when you miss the mark. It's it comes from the the world of of archery, where you here's the bullseye, you know what the bullseye is, and you miss it. You have sinned. And we do that in our lives, both actively and passively. And this morning, in Joshua chapter 7, we're going to see an example of both active irresponsibility, sin, and passive irresponsibility, sin. All right? So if you'll turn to Joshua chapter 7, we will jump in. And, and as you're turning there, let me just say this about the historical context. I know some of us have a really difficult time with the fact that God would tell his people to go in and wipe out the Canaanites. It just, it just doesn't feel right. It just isn't right that God would be that way where he would tell his people to go in and... and and clean house and take over these cities that haven't been built. What we need to to appreciate is that that God had, had called Israel to be a light to the nations. God had set them aside that they would represent Him. And in order to do that, they needed to have a new sense of justice, a new sense of of morality, a new sense of civilization, a a new way of doing everything. And the only way that they could do that is if if they were in a place where they didn't assimilate to other pagan cultures. Um... And if you read the histories of the, of the cultures that they were called to wipe out, these were, not, uh, these were cultures that needed to be wiped out, quite frankly. And they had been given centuries to repent, and they hadn't done it. And so God used Israel to bring his judgment on these, on these city nations. All right? So that's kind of a, just a brief overview, synopsis. Here's the story. Israel has just enjoyed this incredible victory at Jericho. And in 627, it says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. As a nation, they are so confident because we just took this city, and, you know, the walls came tumbling down, and, and... The word of the Lord is spreading. I mean, this is awesome, right? Look at the beginning of chapter 7. What's the first word? But. (laughs) That's not a good start to a chapter. Fame's going, victory, yeah, yeah, but. Something's Something's not connecting with this. Um, but the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, the son of 
uh, Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, the, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against them. We heard in the scripture reading that, you know, from chapter 6, that God had commanded the whole nation not to take any of the devoted things. And, and clearly, Achan did that. And we see, we get to see, sometimes this happens in movies or, or in literature where, where, you know, in the first chapter, you get to see the, the crime committed or, or something, the first scene. And so you know who the culprit is, but then the story plays out on how the, how the good guys are going to find the bad guy, right? That's kind of what's happening in, in chapter 7. As we see up front who the culprit is, and now it's going to play out what the consequences are and all of that stuff. Verses 2 and 3 tell us that Joshua sends this little um, recon group into AI and they come back and they tell Joshua, this is, this is going to be easy. I mean, they got nobody up there. We, we, can, we can take AI with two or 3,000 guys. Let everybody else just kind of chill. This is not going to be a hard battle. Verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. God had just given Joshua and the nation this great victory. Why? Because they'd done it his way, right? Joshua had been in conversation with God, and God said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go in, you're going to march around the city, and you know, on the seventh day, blow the trumpets and shout, and all the walls come down, and, and the victory will be yours. And they had, they had done it very... Um, specific to God's direction and God had given them the victory it wasn't about their military might but did you notice something that is glaringly absent from verses 2 through 5 there's no interaction between Joshua and God right Joshua sends the spies up the spies come back give him the report Joshua doesn't get on his knees and say okay Lord here's what we're thinking <laughs> you know, here, here's, kind of, here's what we've seen, here's what we're thinking and what we'll do. What do you think we should do? There's no interaction. He just, he just takes the report of the spies and good idea, let's do it. Um, Joshua is acting irresponsibly. What kind of irresponsibility? Passive, Right? He knows what he's supposed to do. He knows he's supposed to, according to chapter 1, don't turn from the right or the left from, from the word of the Lord. He's supposed to be following the, the leading of the Lord and trusting in the Lord. And here he just does it in his own strength. Here he just relies on himself. Um, Proverbs sixteen eighteen says that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. AI represents a battle fought in their own strength. AI represents a battle that is fought 
with passive irresponsibility. Or they just don't do what they know they ought to do. Because they're trusting in themselves. They're trusting in their own strength. And it costs them. Friends, the same is true for us. When we just do it because we think this is best and we don't rely on the Lord and what He has called us to do, uh, at the end of the day, it's going to cost us. And not just us, but it's going to cost the people around us. It's going to cost the community around us. And that's what happens in this case. This is, this is hard text for me. Because I am, by nature, a self-confident, self-reliant kind of guy. And so it's easy for me just to plow on and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan. This is, I got it. You know, I see what it... And a lot of times it doesn't go so well. You know? Why? Because I don't stop and say, okay, Lord, I need to hear from you on this. Verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell down, fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. Oh, sure, now they pray. We laugh, but don't we do the same thing? Things go south. Oh, I better pray now. Here's Joshua's prayer. Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? What's Joshua saying? Lord, it's your fault. You brought us over here and you allowed the Canaanites to do this to us. It's your fault. But whose fault is it? It's Joshua's fault. Joshua was passively irresponsible in his leadership and he didn't consult the Lord. And the calamity that came on Israel was at least in part due to him. Joshua was passively irresponsible and it brought consequences on him and the people. And so his response then is to pray. And don't we do the same thing? We plow right ahead because we think we got everything, you know, we, we got all the info we need. We got all the strength we need. We got everything that we need. We plow ahead and we start suffering the consequences of that and so what do we do we pray lord why'd you let me get into this right 
And we kind of subtly blame him and we pray and, and the issue remains. And so we keep praying, Lord, what are you going to do to fix this? What are you going to do to bring glory to your name? And then somebody comes and, and holds us accountable to what, what's going on in our lives. And, and we say, well, yeah, I'm praying about that. Right? God doesn't let Joshua rant for very long. Look at verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? In other words, why are you praying? This is not a time to pray. There's an interesting word play. Back in verse 7, Joshua said, Why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan? He was saying, God, why did you cross us over? And in verse 11, God says this, Israel has sinned, they have violated, which literally means they have crossed over. They have crossed over my covenant. God is saying Joshua to Joshua, Joshua, it's not my fault. It's your fault. You, did, you went against exactly what I've told you. And did you notice God says Israel has sinned? He doesn't, you know, we saw in, in, in verse 1 that it was one guy. It was Achan. So why is God lumping them all together? Because God says, they have crossed over my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. God is not very therapeutic in his language. How are you feeling right now? Right? God doesn't do that. God says, you've been irresponsible. Part of your irresponsibility, part of your sin has been that you've been passive. You haven't done what you knew you needed to do. But part of your irresponsibility has been active. Part of your sin is that you have committed things that I told you not to do. You've taken this stuff. And that's on all of you. Verse 12, that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have, made li- they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever uh, among you is devoted to destruction. Do you see what God is saying? God is saying, Joshua, stop praying and do something. Friends, so often... We hide behind our prayers. I'm praying about that. And God's saying, get up and do something. Stop praying about it. What do you need to do? Verse 13. Go, consecrate the people. Do something. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. That which is devoted is among you, O Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. Here we get a glimpse into what happens in a community of faith. 
This is what happens in a couple. It's what happens in a family or a church or a nation when someone acts irresponsibly, when somebody sins. It has this ripple effect that has impact on all of us. Achan knew what he was doing was irresponsible. He knew it was sin. And we know that. You can read the rest of the story and he hid the stuff under his tent. Why do you hide something? Because you don't want somebody else to find it because you know it's wrong. And you know that they know it's wrong. Right? He knew what he, he knew he was being irresponsible. He was doing what God had told him not to. So our question is, so why wouldn't God just punish Achan? And maybe even punish Joshua for being passive. But why would he bring calamity on the whole nation? Why would 36 guys have to die? Because that's what irresponsibility does. That's what sin does. It impacts all of us. And you say, well, that's not fair. Okay. But it's true. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to be around very long until you get to the place where you start asking the question, how much is your sin gonna cost me? How much is your sin going to cost me? Some of you here this morning grew up in, in a home that was abusive. And now you have tendencies toward violence, or you have tendencies toward anger, or you have um, issues with trusting somebody. How much did your parents' sin cost you? Or maybe you grew up in a, in a home of a divorce and so now you have commitment issues or you have, you have um, personal worth issues because you're afraid you're not good enough and that people will always leave you. How much did their sin cost you? Or maybe in the workplace you've had, or at school, you've had a colleague or, or, or a classmate besmirch you in such a way that it ruined your reputation? How much did their sin cost you? How much did their irresponsibility cost you? You see, at the end of the day, sin is not a private thing. Sin has consequences that have a a ripple effect that that get us all if we're connected in community. You see, what I sow, you're going to reap if we're connected in community. If, If I have an affair as your pastor, if I act irresponsibility, if I sin irresponsibly and I sin against... God and my family because I have an affair. Is that going to impact anybody but me? Yeah. It's going to impact everybody in this room. 
That's not fair, okay? But that's the way it is. So at some point, we have to decide we're going to take responsibility. We're going to take responsibility for our lives personally, and we're going to take responsibility for, for pe- other people in the community because right now what you're doing may not be my business, but you're, what you're doing is going to be my business someday. It's going to hit me. I'm going to be impacted by it. Here's the point of this message, if you haven't gotten it yet. I'll connect the dots for you. What is he talking about? Um, Okay, I'll tell you. We have to be very intolerant. And that's not a very popular word in our culture. But we have to be very intolerant of irresponsibility, of sin, both in our lives and in the lives of others within our community. And and I'm not talking about, you know, walking down the street and seeing people doing something that you know is against the scriptures and you start calling them down on it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in here. I'm talking about in, in our community of faith. Because where you're being irresponsible, at some point it's going to become my responsibility and I need to get out in front of that so that, so that it doesn't impact you negatively and it doesn't impact me negatively and it doesn't impact us negatively now some of us don't really like the whole confrontation thing right how many of you like confrontation okay there's one okay stephanie and i we're we're clicking you and i um yeah confrontation is not something we really just kind of love But it's something that we need. And you say, well, Keith, what about, you know, what about Jesus? You know, what about grace? And what about love? And what about that whole... Have you ever read the New Testament? Jesus was never afraid to get in somebody's face on their sin. Right? The Apostle Paul was never afraid to get in somebody's face on their sin. Now, yes, we need to be gracious with it. You know, Paul says to the Ephesians, you know, speak the truth, but do it in love. And then a few verses later, he says, you know, watch how you say it, because you got to say it in a way that's constructive and not destructive. It needs to benefit them. You know, you got you to couch it. You got to be careful in how you communicate it, but you still got to communicate it. You still got to deal with sin, both individually, personally, in my life, and when I see it in you, i got to call you on it. And when you see it in me, you got to call me on it. Here's what Joshua does. He quits praying. God says, stop blaming me. Stop praying. Get up. 
go do something, and that's what he does. And you can read the story, and Joshua goes and he uncovers who the culprit is. It's Achan, and he deals with it. And we're going to talk about that next week, okay? Good! Yay! More sin! There's going to be like four people here next week. Here are some questions that we need to deal with. Are you hiding behind your prayers? Somebody's called you on something or maybe you've just been convicted and you just keep praying. Are you being irresponsible? Because you just keep praying about something and never doing anything about it. You say, well, Keith, how do I know if, this, if it's something that I need to be doing something about and not just praying about? Well, the first way you know is that if God has said it in his word, you don't have to pray about it. If God has communicated to us the truth of his word, you don't have to pray about that thing. You don't have to pray about being honest. You just don't. Oh, should I lie to my boss or not? Lord, what should I do? You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about doing your taxes. God's covered that. You don't have to pray about um, whether you should be faithful to your spouse or not. Covered. You don't have to pray about sex outside of marriage. Covered. And in light of our current budget situation, you don't have to pray about what you should be giving to our church. Covered. God calls it a tithe, which literally means 10%. Um, 10% of, of what the Lord has blessed you with this year, that's what you should be giving here. It's covered. You say, well, wait a minute, Keith, that's, that's an Old Testament construct, that tithe thing. The, It's not in the New Testament. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Jesus says in Matthew 23, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you hypocrites, you tithe, you give a tenth of, of your spices, of dill and mint and cumin, but you neglect the weightier things of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, you ought to do the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, Jesus is saying, yeah, Christianity is so much more than bringing your tithes, but tithing is part of Christianity. Do you get that? A lot of us come in here week after week and we look at that on the back page of our the bulletin and we go wow we're not doing very good you're right but you know what 
if, if we were all doing what, what the Scripture calls us to, what God's already covered, if we were being responsible, we'd be running a $500,000 surplus right now as opposed to where we are. That's just where we are. Friends, there are a lot of things that God has covered in the Scriptures that we don't have to pray about. We just need to be responsible. We just need to get up, get off of our faces, and be responsible with it. Stop sinning and do what He's called us to. Another way that you can know if it's time to... to move from prayer to responsibility is if you have behaved yourself into a bad situation. If you have behaved yourself into a bad situation in the workplace, you don't need to... Yeah, you can certainly pray, Lord, give me direction and give me strength and give me courage and those things. But you don't say, Lord, fix it. If you've behaved yourself into a bad situation, you've got to take responsibility for it and do something about it. That's what Josh would do. Um, if you've behaved yourself in a bad, into a bad situation in, in a relationship, in your marriage, in your family, you've got to do something about it. If we're going to take new ground in our lives, If we are going to grow spiritually and, and step more and more deeply into that abundant life that God has called us to and that, that Jesus has made a way for, then we have to stop being irresponsible and we have to start being responsible. We have to take responsibility for where we are in life and say, in order to get to the next place, I need to stop this and I need to stop this and I need to stop this. And it goes beyond praying about it. It goes to taking action. We also need to be committed to each other so much so that I love you so much that I'm going to say hard things to you. I love you so much that I'm going to call you on stuff. Because it's not very loving and gracious for me to let you just keep going down a road that's going to lead to your destruction and ultimately mine. It's a lose-lose proposition. At the end of the day, the thing that's best for you, the thing that's best for me, the thing that's best for our community is if we will lovingly challenge one another and, and when we see something going south, we'll, we'll figure out how to fix it. By God's grace. Let me pray for us. Lord, as we come to the table now, 
we want you to speak to us. And even as I've been talking this morning, there may be some things that you've been whispering to folks that areas of their lives where they've been hiding behind their prayers and you're saying, no, 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 stand up. Do something. I pray, Lord, that, that as we prepare to come to the table, we would, as Paul told the Corinthians, we would examine ourselves. And, and we would allow you to speak so that we would then uh, be able to move forward. We are so grateful, Lord, that you took responsibility. And you, you took our sin upon yourself that we might have life. We're so grateful for that. And I pray, Lord, that that we would not be irresponsible with the, the life then that you've, you've provided for us. Lord, I pray that the table this morning would be a motivator. It would be um, an encouragement. It would be a, uh, empowering so that we can take new ground for your namesake.